Welcome back to another episode of the Association Spotlight Series. I'm Lake Morehouse, and I'm joined today by our good friend Duran Warren. Duran, thanks for taking the time and driving up and seeing us. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for having you. me. Of course. You just want to tell the folks a little bit uh, what you do, your title, and organization you're with. Yep. I'm Duran Warren. I am with Williamson Health and Wellness Center, and I am the Director of Behavioral Medicine. So Williamson Health and Wellness Center is in the FQHC, and I was brought on board to um, create the Behavioral Health Division, and we actually done that through a grant through SAMHSA to create a, a MAT department, which I done, and then we was um, blessed enough to get a CCBHC grant. And then after that, we expanded into many avenues of behavioral health. I mean, that CCBHC grant really helped us get into children's services, which was really the primary goal for us. We kind of just started in the mat space, but we always wanted to be integrative and CCBHC allowed us to do that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it sounds like the wheels are really rolling down there. Yeah. Things are opening up. That's great. Yeah. How, how, <clears throat> excuse me, how long have you been uh, at Williamson? I've been there five years. Five years, okay. Uh, what was your first position starting out there? <laughs> My first position was uh, I started out as a master's level therapist for okay. uh, Logan Mingo Area Mental Health, so community community mental health, which is, you know, the, the really tough work. Sure. Um, so I started out there as a master's level counselor, uh, was there, and my clinical director there, John Mays, uh, he stayed for a couple years, and after he left, uh, I actually was promoted into his position. It's ironic because John Mays kind of fought for me to get my first job. Oh, wow. And so when he left, uh, Donna Cook, she became the CEO and she ended up promoting me into job into John's job which to me was it was really humbling oh yeah for somebody who fought for you to get on board and then I ended up filling his shoes so I became clinical director there I wrote an array of programs during that time Donna was very adamant that she didn't want to be grant dependent we wanted to create more billable services so I was able to get that experience writing programs and building services, and I stayed there. I was at Logan Mingo for five, five and a half years, and I was clinical director for two of those years, and then I went to Williamson Health and Wellness Center, which Williamson is in my backyard. I'm a Williamson boy, so mm -hmm. I'm able to walk to work now. So oh, it just works out it just, perfectly yeah, it just worked out yeah well that's much deserved and uh how, how have you kind of seen the um the evolution of, of behavioral health uh you know progress down in, in the rural part of the southern part of the state maybe in these areas of west virginia have you kind of seen it over time change yeah well what i've seen over time is just that um with substance use especially it's just you know you do everything you can to combat it we started out we was in the opioid epidemic mm -hmm. um and that was where we kind of created our space, even with billable services, it was, you know, opioids, opioids, opioids. Now we've saw it evolve more into a substance epidemic because now we're in a methamphetamine epidemic and fentanyl and, I mean, it's just polysubstance all over the place. Yeah, it's almost like so, like whack-a-mole. Once you kind of get something under, uh, under you know, under control a little bit better, yeah. then a, a new drug or substance pops up and you're like, oh man, it's always always yes. on, your, on your toes right always evolving and you know you're always looking for ways and 
I think the biggest thing for Southern West Virginia that I've seen as far as positive wise is that the facilities there have become more integrated. Okay. They've become more one-stop shops, you know, to where you can do substance use and be treated for a co-occurring mental health disorder. Also get your primary care there, Mm -hmm. plus dentistry, plus kids will be seen there. So I think that's a huge, huge plus is that Southern West Virginia, I felt like was kind of lacking that. Mm -hmm. And so most of the places I've seen have really moved toward integrative care. That's great, especially as we know in rural parts of the state, not just Southern, but sometimes you can be an hour, hour and a half drive from a place you need to be in. You're splitting up services that you need. That that just causes an extra strain almost on the whole process. It does. And the other part of it is that the part that I love is that I see a lot of partnerships being developed. Mm -hmm. It used to be kind of people operated in silos. And now you see more to where it's not really a competition. I think people are just jumping in and doing what they can. Sure. And not trying to duplicate services and really being good stewards of the money that they've been given and, you know, protecting grants and trying to stretch those funds as far as they can by partnering up with other organizations. That's great. Yeah, just a collaborative effort across and let's all be on the same team. You know, we have to. It's not. I mean, it's enough work to go around for everybody. Actually, too much. Yeah. Because, (laughs) you know, we're in a workforce shortage to where we can't find workers, especially when you start talking about licensed individuals and degreed individuals when you're in the southern part of the state it gets tough sure oh i bet so yeah we're working on that daily and it's it's a battle i know it's it's not just west virginia too it's nationwide we were just yes. out of the national conference in california last month and it, we knew it was happening but when you talk to other people from minnesota and other states it, it's not comforting but it's also nice to know that hey we're not on an island everyone else has experienced this workforce crisis bad bad was it shocking for you all to be able to see that you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. to feel like it was not just west virginia but yeah it, it opened your eyes especially because we're you consider more of a southern state more of a rural state whatever it may be and then you hear of these you know northern way far away minnesotas and Wisconsin and out west, Oregon, things like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's just we're we're getting crushed. So yeah. it's it is it's eye opening, um, and yeah, it's it's really nationwide. So we're we're trying, and we're gonna we're gonna keep at it, of course. Um, what was what was your story kind of before you got into behavioral health and uh-huh. kind of your journey your journey before uh-huh. that? That's a, that's a pretty long one. <laughs> sure, well, it was. I come from humble beginnings, I like to say, and I'm mm-hmm. a late bloomer. Yep. Um, but all I have to say, you know, everything that I went through was self inflicted. I don't. I don't uh, blame anybody for my uh, stumblings and falling short, but for me it was just, uh, I kind of went off to college as a young man at mm-hmm. 18, man, and not not really having those boundaries got involved with some people that I really should have never got involved with. Um, and ended up, you know, I was going to college during the day, and at night I was out on street corners selling narcotics. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it just, it didn't add up for me business sense-wise. It didn't add up that I'm paying thousands to sit in a classroom, and I'm sitting here. Back then we had pages, and my page was going off, <laughs> and I'm missing five and six hundred dollars. And at 18, 19, you can't see the forest for the trees. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. your, your frontal lobe is not even fully developed to even make good decisions. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, my, I kept watching my grade point average drop because I wasn't focused on what I was doing in school. And eventually, 
I thought that I was making the right business decision and I left. Mm -hmm. I left college to be a full-time criminal. Um, eventually I left Huntington and moved back to Williamson. And I would imagine I was in Williamson maybe two years, two and a half years, and uh, federal agents knocked on my door and told me, man, we got an indictment for you. And I had to go answer that indictment and was sentenced to 87 months in federal prison. Mm -hmm. And I went and I served my time and, you know, I would I would walk around um, the prison campus and I would always be like, you know, God, why am I here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not a dumb guy. I'm not I'm not a bad guy. Right. You know, how did I end up here? Like and I would do this for hours on end, just walking and really just in my thoughts and it took me a long time to really accept where I was mm -hmm. um, and doing that man I came home and I was I had got a barber's license in there and I, I ended up working at a barber shop and eventually worked my way to where me and my wife bought that shop oh wow uh, we kept it open for a few years but uh, a lawyer friend of mine was speaking to me and he was like man you know you got some college under your belt, Duran, you really need to go back to college. Mm -hmm. Man, because if you don't, you know recidivism rates, it's, oh, yeah. it's likely you're going to end up back in prison. Yeah. I was watching guys go back that had came out when I came out. I was watching some family members go back. And it was like in that moment, I had an epiphany mm -hmm. of like, and he's right. And so I went, enrolled. And I went to a counselor and I wanted to be a nurse, okay. ironically, <laughs> for the money. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, man, I got to make some money, man. Sure. The nurses was making <laughs> good money. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I, I, I want to enroll to be a nurse. And while I'm talking to this counselor, um, she starts telling me a story about her and her family. I mean, deep stuff. Yeah. Like, and she's crying. And she's like, Duran, you're not a nurse. You're a counselor. Oh, right there. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I'm a nurse. Trust me. Right. They make good money. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, you're a counselor. I'm like, well, sign me up for the test. And then I go take the test. I pass. And I go back to kind of show her my test result. And I'm like, I told you I was a nurse. And yeah. she's like, Duran, I'm telling you, you're, you're a counselor. And so... Uh, I went to my acceptance interview, and I ended up telling them it was something about my com me being a convicted felon. Mm -hmm. And either way, something happened. And I had been torn by what she had kept telling me. Like, I had kept just praying and like, mm -hmm. Lord, is she telling me what's right? Because my initial, uh, my initial pursuit of education was psychology. Okay, yeah. So that's where my passion was. Right, right. And so uh, the lady who is there for the nursing that's going to accept me, she starts crying and she's like, <laughs> I can't let you into my program. Hmm. And she's crying and she's like, this is the first time I've ever had to do this. And I'm like, don't cry. God just gave me my answer. I'm not a nurse. I'm a counselor. There you go. <laughs> so I go across <laughs> campus and... I enroll at Lindsey Wilson College, and I end up going through and getting my bachelor's degree. 
I am re-enrolled, rolled over to get my master's degree. I got my master's degree and John Mays promised me a job. I told him about my background, which he and the CEO at the time didn't see eye to eye because okay. I was a convicted felon. Sure, yeah. And John fought like crazy to get me on board. Wow. And he ended up, he gave me a job and I went to Donna at that time, she had become CEO and I said, I just feel like I need more. I was gonna go get a doctorate degree. And she said, I wouldn't do that. I would go get an MBA. Okay. And so two weeks later, I was enrolled in the University of Pikeville yep. and I went back and got my second master's degree in business administration. Nice. And so here I sit, man. And I, I have wow. to say, I have to say mm -hmm. this, that there's nothing special about me. You know what I mean? There's, mm -hmm. it, it, I am just blessed. Yep. And God has put people around me that have wanted to see me thrive for whatever that reason that may be. Mm -hmm. I've just been blessed to have good people guide my career. I mean, my current CEO, uh, Dino Beckett. I mean, he has put me in situations to thrive. And I've just been blessed along the way, but there's nothing special about me. And I, well, every time I tell my story, I want people to understand that it's nothing about me. It is only about you doing the work mm -hmm. and making the changes in your life to be able to do that. And it's not, I always tell people it's natural when people are trying to help themselves for people to stick their hand out to help. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Oh, as yeah. long yeah. as you're making the right changes and doing the right thing. People can see that. And, yes. And they want to they be a part of it. Yes. And that's, and that's how I sit here today, man. And, and wow. there's nothing that no one did to me. It was me just making poor choices. Mm -hmm. And I had to get out of my own way to be able to thrive. And I've just learned to do that. And here I am. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's incredible. I mean, inspiring and the perseverance there, you know, it's like I. While I agree with you, I, I'm also going to disagree. That I think you you got something special because all these people kept seeing in the inside of you, and they you have something about that that people knew, and they kept you know going to bat for you, and 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 then hey, here you are, and they were right, and it worked. Well, out. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I you know I, I don't like, like to take credit for that. I sure. Think it's just and I I, it, I think it's a mixture of of learning how to survive in a dysfunctional environment mm -hmm. when you're when you're moving amongst people in a criminal lifestyle you have to learn how to be a, a speaker a negotiator and it's it's a hard knock education yep and then you know you have to combine that and learn how to tame that and and bring that those skills into a professional environment yeah and combine that with an education um, but as far as you know when I and I told you before, I would walk around and say, "God, you know, why am I here?" And the reality is, it took years before He gave me revelation. But I had to be there to be able to touch the population and do the things that I do in my professional life. Right. In my professional career, I had to go through those things. I truly believe that that I had to I had to be there and make those poor choices and I don't believe that anything happens by chance. Right. Sure. I think it's all in his divine plan. Mm -hmm. And so 
he finally gave me revelation 10, 15 years later um, when I moved into the space of substance use disorder. Yeah, sure. So Yeah, it's almost like you can't have the light without the dark sometimes. And, and, it, sounds, and it sounds like, I think maybe this could be a testament to anyone who has a, has a past, have gone through similar issues like that and now have, have gone on to be successful and, and get out of the rut. But it sounds like you you don't um, you don't suppress it. You don't act like it never happened. That period you don't totally don't talk about. It. You acknowledge it, and you've worked a lot, and you're, you've made peace with it almost in a way. It seems like it, without and you've and you've kind of used that as your superpower, almost in a strength to keep you going. You haven't. Some people you know kind of squash mm-hmm. it down there and they hide it like and they act like it never happened. But it sounds like you're doing the opposite, which is proven. I, I think you have to. I think you have to acknowledge and you have to use it. In I mean, all of us. I don't care who you are, I always say everyone has a story. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think it's what you do with that story. And all of us have experienced something traumatic, you know, yep. and regardless if it's at our own choosing or at the hands of someone else. But, you know, I can either let that, I can either let that destroy me or I can let it make me rise up. Yep. And, you know, I just choose the latter to yeah. let it make me rise up. Just, I mean, I agree. I can't suppress it. I refuse to. Um, but you're right. There, there are people out there who um, are just like me that have gone on to be successful, and I hope that they do understand that they had to go through what they went through to be able to be where they are, and not hold a seed of bitterness mm-hmm. towards that. You know those hurdles they had to get through to get where they are. Right. It's all a lesson, and it's all. It's all at his guided hand, man. Of course, yeah. No, it's, I couldn't agree more. Um, I guess we could just circle back and we'll kind of close with this. Uh, what would we maybe say to some, some folks that are that younger people, maybe not even younger, but that are new to the behavioral health industry in West Virginia, what, that are interested in it, want to get into a field of how, how could we, we, what would you maybe give them advice for to, you know, this is, this is a, a meaningful field. It's, it's very rewarding. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard work, but it's important work. Uh, what would you make, you know, to, again, combating this workforce to crisis? Add, to add to that, because everything you said is very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I tell my people that work under me and work alongside me is find a mentor. Okay, yeah. You know, I think mentorship is so important. Sure. And to not just find a mentor, but find one that you truly trust. Yeah. One that can guide you and teach you the right way, that teach you professional ethics. One that you can listen to and the other thing is to be open to accept feedback yeah you know I think it's tough for people to hear constructive criticism Mm -hmm. and especially younger people yep where you know they think that they're going to do it all the right way none of us do it the right way Mm -hmm. you know and uh, I've been fortunate enough to have people to go before me that have taught me professional ethics and I'm still learning today, you know what oh, I yeah. mean? But for me, I look at the people who that I come across when I sit in those rooms in there, I look across and I see the CEOs um, in that room that have been carrying this torch for an extremely long time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Th- those are the people that I look across the room because you know, I've been in this 10 years and that's fairly, young yeah. when I look across the room and I see how long some of the people that have been doing this and I'm grateful yep. to be in those rooms you know what I yep. mean like I'm very very appreciative 
to the work that they have done and the time that they have spent trying to make West Virginia a better place. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's uh Thanks so much for sharing your story with us, Duran. It's it's an awesome one, man. You know, I appreciate you've, it. You've uh, you've earned it, no doubt. I appreciate so, you having me down, man. Yep. All right, guys. Well, thanks. Follow us on social media, please, uh, if you can. Uh, we'll have the links in our in our video. And again, Duran Warren, thanks for coming up. Thank you. All right, appreciate it.